chill wind? Is it a sobering dose of reality or the approach of doom? Folks, these are tough times. Stones, uh, rock at a hard place. This is Tough Times with Lou Young. I'm Lou Young uh, with uh, George Patanovic. Hey, Lou. Co-host host and, yeah. uh, and uh, <laughs> producer and uh, worry wart. He worries about stuff all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our <laughs> resident activist. And uh, Will Hennessy. Hello. Master of audio. <laughs> And uh, and uh, technician things behind the curtain. He, he he looks like a maestro. He looks like a mad scientist behind the board. <laughs> don't, there, don't look behind the curtain. Moving the dials. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway. So um, I don't know. I'm cold. Are you cold? So, get it? <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> it's cold. All right, uh, and uh, we there's a lot to talk about. We'll be we'll be talking to folks about what we're doing about this intense cold that's around. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, a a brief bit of serious serious weather uh, in an otherwise mild winter, and uh, we have to just um, you know live with it. Uh, on the phone, our major guest today, our main guest is Jessica Stomback. Uh, the CEO of an outfit called Jewel. Hi, Jessica. Hey, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay, and before we say anything, Jewel, not the vape company, right? That's correct. <laughs> Jewel <laughs> Community ask, Power. Everybody asks all the time, don't they? I mean, because every time I mention it, they go, oh, you mean the vape company? Yeah, yeah no, I know. Such is life. Let's start out by telling us what the company is and what you do. Sure. So what Jewel Assets does is we are uh, we work with local communities, so cities, towns, villages, um, helping them to do a program called community choice aggregation. What that means is that um, they can use their residents' group purchasing power to contract all uh, for renewable electricity supply, basically for almost all of their residents and provide them those protective uh, renewable contracts uh, on an opt-out basis. That means anybody that wants to leave the program come, can at any time without cost, but otherwise they are they move their residents onto these contracts and, um, you know, they, the town's electricity goes basically 100% renewable overnight or m- the majority renewable overnight, so that's great. And we've had some uh, local uh, um, outfits, some local uh, municipalities do that. Uh, name a few for us. Sorry, I'm hello. not able to hear you very oh, well. Oh, uh, you can't hear us. Hello? Yep, I'm trying to. Huh. Okay. That's interesting. We're coming. Wow. I got signal. Apologies for that. All right, how are you now? Yep. Perfect. Thanks. Okay, great. So what are some of the communities that you've been able to get on uh, on green energy? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a really wide range. Uh, the city of Rochester is one example. Oh, uh, they went 100% green mm-hmm. last year. But more locally, you know, Haverstraw, mm-hmm. uh, Clarkstown, uh, Nyack, Upper Nyack. We just gave them an Eco Action Award um, last year. 
week actually and you had their their leadership on your um program <laughs> so you know them well <laughs> yes yes and uh yeah. so and is jewel a profit or non-profit we are a for-profit company. And, yep. and, and so you, you assist uh, the, uh, the municipalities in doing this, and that's, that's one of the, the items uh, that on your um, menu of services. What are some of the others? I mean, you help uh, individuals as well, or can you help communities help the individuals that live uh, in them to, uh, okay. to you know, get solar panels, windmills, that kind of thing? Yeah, that's correct. So so we help our communities. For example, we're launching a new initiative this year that builds off of the Inflation Reduction Act um, and looks to get communities uh, tax incentives and tax credits, which will come in the form of direct payments to them for building uh, renewables and, uh, you know, storage solar on their on their sites or and or help their particularly low-income customers sign up to these projects and start to get the lower uh, electricity costs that you get when you sign up to, to Community Solar in New York State. Because up to this point, or up to fairly recently, um, it was the, uh, the affluent, the people who could afford this sort of work on their homes who... That's um, right who were able to do it, mm -hmm. which That's underlining right. the old axiom that it's uh, expensive to be poor. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, and I, I think you're bringing up an important point. For one thing, you know, I was really struck with what Pete Harkum said last week, think globally, act locally. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Senator Pete Harkum, who's the chair of the Environmental Conservation Committee um, these next years, and this is what CCA does. This is what community choice aggregation does. You know, last year, those towns that we mentioned, Clarkstown in, in, in Rockland County, there were 21,000 households that switched to renewable electricity supply, and they saved $10 million because of the protective contracts we were able to put them on. And, you know, beyond that, they also avoided you know, 40,000 megatons of CO2, which is enough to take 8,700 cars off the road for a year. And it just shows you that when you, you know, the, the climate action work developed in New York State wasn't a big government initiative. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was a grassroots yeah. movement. Mm -hmm. And CCA really demonstrates the continued power of that movement. And so we're really proud of it um, and really excited to be able to, to be helping people build new renewables uh, as well as use the existing ones that are here. And uh, when we talked uh, the other day uh, briefly uh, on the phone, you, you were pointing out that um, New York is particularly uh, uh, fertile ground for this because it is a home rule state mm -hmm. in other That's words right. that the, the that the uh, that we allow our municipalities um, broad authority over their over their own government and and individual communities can do this am i correct mm -hmm. that's right so any municipality city town village can pass a local law uh, allowing their municipal leadership to take this kind of meaningful action and you know it is indeed meaningful because mm -hmm. not only do uh, residents and small businesses get onto protective contracts, but just the, the 50 some municipalities that were active in 2021 with this, they made up, if you think that's the, the there are 
you know, thousands of municipalities sure. in New York State. These 60, by taking that action, they became over 35% of the total free market renewables in New York State. I mean, it's so powerful. Those decisions in those community and yeah. that community action is so powerful. And it's something any all of us can do uh, together. So it's great. And they can move and the it's market. it's very important that it continues to be supported at the state level. Right. And, 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 and well, and truly, uh, if enough of them do it, they can move the market uh, even if no one in Albany wants to. Am mm-hmm. I correct? That's right. Uh, which brings us like to the example of places like Florida, mm-hmm. which is not a home rule state, which is ruled from yep. the t- from the top down, despite all their um, their verbiage about freedom, mm-hmm. and uh, and they dictate uh, from Tallahassee what uh, the local municipalities down there can do, and and you don't see uh, that many solar panels down there in the sunshine state, it doesn't exist because. Um, the power companies uh, don't necessarily like it. Let's uh, let's ask you about the uh, about the attitude of the power companies. I mean, um, I sense when I talk to the folks who work for them that there there's a certain coolness to the idea. Uh, do you think that's uh, true, and do you think it's changing? What? So I, think I put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, tough response. So so I think that. There's been a period of adjustment, and our experience with, you know, with our program is that the power companies at the moment are pretty neutral, and some really, you know, are are our partners and really look to work with us, and others are less so. I think the tension is that it it gets back to what we opened with that you know think global act local Mm -hmm. as the market in new york becomes more and more successful and all the work that these local organizations and you know people getting together with their neighbors and and signing things and acting as that takes takes effect what is happening is that the larger players want to take over more and control more. Mm-hmm. And they're lobbying New York State to be allowed to do that because now it's a winning game, mm-hmm. right? So what's important, and if you want to try and find the tension right now from our perspective mm-hmm. in New York State, it's between keeping the empowerment in the hands at least to a large extent, as much as possible, in the hands of the local communities, as was the original mm-hmm. vision, mm-hmm. and moving it toward a more top-down, uh, Albany decides, decides, utilities decides, big corporates decide. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the tension right now in, in the mm-hmm. state. And it's not clearly divided between utilities and others. It's more who's going to... Who's gonna ban it? Who's gonna control this? Who gets mm-hmm. to choose? Yeah, it's, it's power, and uh, and uh, and uh, a lot of times, you know, it's just instinctive, and people don't even know why they uh, why they want it. Uh, I'm interested in, in the question because this local generation issue uh, mm-hmm. uh, brings up the uh, the 
question of microgrids, which is, uh, which in, in other words, you're making the electricity where you use it, mm -hmm. and then if the uh, macro grid, if the big grid goes down for any reason, you can isolate it and continue to uh, to have some power. I mean, that's that's the that's really the way out of um, of making us uh, so uh, d uh, vulnerable to um, disruption, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Correct. And, and, you know, today's weather events a, gr a great example, right, that this causes a huge amount of, of strain on the grid. And if people lose electricity today, it's not going to be pretty. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whereas if you had batteries on your street or you had some, mm -hmm. a solar array and, and a battery set, whatever, on your street, you would have the security of knowing that even in extreme weather events, your your setup close to you could see you through and it, as we move into this era of of extreme weather which is not going to get less unfortunately mm -hmm. in the near future that just becomes more and more important and again it's the local communities that are really able to make that happen uh, which I, is great right uh, you know jessica i have uh, and to remind our our listeners we're listening uh, we're uh, talking to jessica stombach the ceo of jewel which is a company that uh, assists municipalities uh, and uh, and uh, organizations in, in the shift to clean energy. Um, I'm, I'm have in front of me Drawdown, which is the book uh, about uh, uh, the, the plan for uh, reversing uh, climate change. And um, Mike, there's a chapter on microgrids. And it says, uh, the system can operate as a standalone entity or its users can plug into the larger grid as needed. Mm -hmm. uh, and it says, microgrids are nimble, efficient microcosms of the big grid designed for smaller, diverse energy sources. By bringing together renewables and storage, microgrids provide reliable power that can augment the centralized model or operate independently in an emergency situation, which is the thing that that um, that uh, fires my imagination. We have on the line uh, the mayor of uh, Mamaroneck, New York, Tom Murphy, uh, who I work with. I am a trustee down there, and 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 his deputy. Hello. Hi, Tom. <laughs> how are you? Hi, Lou. How are you? All right. And you see, you hear what we're talking about uh, here. And um, Jessica Stombach with the uh, Jewel was uh, talking about assisting folks with the aggregate energy uh, uh, model, which uh, I believe we, we follow with the uh, uh, renewable Westchester in, uh, in, in Mamaroneck. But um, uh, the, the next step, the next step of uh, municipal power generation, that's, uh, that's something that uh, can be uh, attractive, yes? No? Sure. Uh, I think uh, you've been a great champion of that, Lou. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it, it's what we have to prepare for in the future if we're going to be sustainable and we're going to have uh, communities uh, that are viable and that uh, can ride through uh, the changes that we're going to have to make to make ourselves uh, successful in this century. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it, it would be nice if when, when all the lights go out, all the lights don't go out. <laughs> I guess <laughs> yes, that would be nice. Yes. That would be nice. So, so Jessica, um, uh, uh, you, uh, you have the mayor and myself here. Um, uh, what's you know, in a broad sense, the elevator pitch? What's our next step? So, I think the next step to make that real, to make that vision you just just uh, outlined real in our community and in your community, is you know, there's a. It's, it's actually not complicated. There 
it's look at the parcels of land, look at the look at the uh, rooftops of garages, look at empty parking lots, see what's going to fit for storage and solar. And remember that as of now, um, anybody that owns those sites gets a 30% tech in hand tax credit from the federal government through the Inflation Reduction Act. And if the energy from those sites, if, if, if that energy is contracted to low-income customers within those neighborhoods, there's a 20% uh, added tax credit. So you can get a 50% tax credit. So on a $10 million project, that's $5 million in hand, right? Hmm. It's an incredibly powerful opportunity for all of us to start to make those dreams real. And, and uh, you know, I think we should all be taking advantage of it. And it's something that Jewel's going to be talking to our municipalities uh, a lot about. And I know Sustainable Westchester will be doing the same thing. All right. Uh, and so, that's very practical. That's, like, doable now. So how, how, big a, how big a plot do you need? I know in over in Clarkstown in Rockland, they, they had uh, how many acres? Was it 30 acres or something? I'm not sure what it was, the, the, uh, the old landfill yeah, there on, yeah. on 59. And, uh, and I know George Holman told me that uh, uh, if he were doing it now, he, would get, he, he could get a whole lot more power out of it because the— uh, More efficient. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, the technology has become— the, Panels are just dramatically more efficient. Uh, you know, is that, is that correct? I mean, what can you get out of, let's say, uh, I don't know, per acre, six and a half acres, Tom? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's about right. <laughs> how much it just happens get, to be six and a half? How acres. much could you get out of six and a half acres? We got a capped landfill. That's a good bit. I, you know what? I'm not a great. I think that would be approximately a megawatt. Ah, which would qualify you. The other thing is that. You can also include storage, which takes a lot less land. <laughs> which is, so you, so you I would, again, I would look at combining storage. the two, uh, solar and storage, particularly on small plots of land, so, so that you, you can make maximize maximize the benefit from that. So you're, bu you're buying batteries, in other words. Yep, that's okay. right. Batteries, large large scale batteries that you can put the energy from the solar into the battery, and then just exactly in these high price times or emergency times, you can use that energy that's in the battery do, that's stored. Do, do the batteries have to be in close proximity uh, to the collectors? So I am not an engineer, but my okay. understanding is no. Um, okay. It doesn't. But you, you shouldn't be taking my... <laughs> I have other people on the team that knows those, know those okay, things much gotcha. better than I do. Well, I didn't yeah. mean to put you on the spot. There. The same with Tom no, and no, I. No. <laughs> we, we got staff I'll do for my that. Best and then other people can, can tell me if I'm off. Yeah. So yeah, so so, so and I was watching um, uh, one of the uh, channels, uh, uh, CNN, last night. And they had uh, uh, John Miller, the former deputy, a good friend of mine. Well, not good friend, a friend of mine. I know him. Uh, uh, he used to be a deputy. Uh, a commissioner uh, in NYPD, and he's now a, a consultant at CNN. He was doing a story mm -hmm. about how vulnerable our national grid is to mm -hmm. uh, domestic terrorism, mm -hmm. um, and and that that uh, you know you get a six, seven, eight key choke points, and you can mm -hmm. cause some pretty large blackouts. Um, harder to do if you've got a whole system of microgrids. Am mm -hmm. I correct? It's more distributed. Yeah. Yes, that that's exactly it. 
So it's, it's much more resilient to any form of terrorist attack should that happen, and then it's also more resilient to storms. Mm -hmm. So from a resiliency perspective, that's, that's a great benefit. And then the other thing is, of course, with community with community scale renewables, so one to five acres, one to five megawatts approximately, you know, the residents that sign up to those projects um, get five to 10% uh, off of their uh, electricity bills, approximately. It's never exact, but mm -hmm. approximately. So, you know, they have a guaranteed saving when they sign up. So on um, both sides, it's great. And then the other thing is, is it creates local investment and local jobs. Right. And that's and uh, also, I mean, Tom, uh, Mr. Mayor, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing alternate source of revenue here, too, also, right? Well, you know, that, that's always a, a plus, right? <laughs> if we can uh, take some of the pressure off our taxpayers, uh, as, as you've heard me talk about, Lou, uh, you know, the uh, tax cap, the artificial cap that comes out of Albany, uh, has done a lot to uh, hurt communities uh, because it, it has made uh, you know, the funding of capital uh, infrastructure harder to do because you know, that funding uh, costs a lot of money, but it, and it runs up against uh, your total uh, tax bill. Uh, if you're a school district, you, your capital projects are now are not included in your tax cap. But if you're a small municipality with an aging infrastructure like mm -hmm. the Marinick, they are. Mm -hmm. And that just seems like an inequity in the system right there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would imagine, and, and somebody, correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, it doesn't happen often, but I've been wrong before, uh, <laughs> the, um, th that, that if you're, if you're going to build a, a capital project with a, a, that, that has a source of income, like a bridge that has a toll or a highway that has a toll, or uh, a solar array that, that gets income, mm -hmm. that that future income is can be used as part to offset to offset the financing. Yes, no, yeah. Silence. Um, are you asking me? I don't know. Uh, you know. The answer is yes, <laughs> if, especially if you own the land. So, if you own the land or financially own the asset, so take responsibility for the for the solar array or for the mm -hmm. for the batteries, then yes. And that's the thing that's exciting is that if you get, say, 50% off mm -hmm. for all intensive purposes, right, because you get the tax, the money from, from the federal government in the form of tax credits, mm -hmm. um, uh, even as a nonprofit, uh, then all of a sudden you could have just that much better payback. Uh, a payback situation, and and you could actually earn from it. So it could be something that's interesting for communities, from both perspectives. My question then is: We have to look at it. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be yeah. working on the business model, talking to people, looking at their actual pieces of land, and you know, really looking to make all of this real. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's going to be individualized, but but there's definitely the possibility there. Now, t tell me, you have um, experience uh, overseas, also, don't, don't you, uh, Jessica? I mean, uh, you, you before you came to Jewel, you were Europe. You were up over in Europe, uh, where they do a lot of this. Yeah, that's right. So, my background is, uh, I was actually running a before I started to work for Jewel, I was running a, a lobby group out of um, Brussels that uh, lobbied for these projects. Mm -hmm. And then after that, Drew has a a little uh, offshoot in Europe that helps small renewables and energy efficiency projects access financing. So we bring 
financial funds and project developers together and help them help them um, work together. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm coming from. And I've just been here for going on three years now. I arrived just in time to go into lockdown. <laughs> so it was a great introduction to life in oh America. Boy, yeah. well, welcome to America. Go yeah. home and lock the door. Yeah. <laughs> and you will now live in your apartment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it was you know well we 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 all were in the same boat there, uh, Jessica. Yeah, exactly. And and looking at this uh, this um, uh, drawdown book here, I'm seeing that uh, there's a picture there of a, a solar settlement in Freiburg, Germany. Uh, this is a collection of 59 homes, and it was the first in the world to have a positive positive energy balance, with each home producing $5,600 a year in solar energy mm. profits. Mm. So they're making money off their energy generation. Yeah, mm. yeah. So that's uh, that's that's pretty cool, you know. And then I guess you go to the whole resilient home model and are you uh, how you how you use the, the energy and and all that and it and it, it's all cumulative. You do everything and it and it uh, and it starts to look like a solution as you approach it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, uh, I, I, Oh, George Potonovic <laughs> is here. Uh, to remind our viewers, we're talking to Jessica St- uh, Stam- Stombach, who is the CEO of Juul, which is a uh, an energy consulting company, uh, and uh, um, and uh, Tom Murphy, who is the mayor of Mamaroneck, New York. Uh, I'm Lou Young. We got Will Hennessy here at the board, and George Potonovic, <laughs> co-host and uh, resident <laughs> activist, who has some questions. Hello, Jessica. How are you? Nice to talk with you. Yeah. So um, uh, in terms of of you wanting to sign up more communities, obviously, to participate in the community uh, power program, uh, not only here, but in other places around the state, um, how do we do in terms of the supply of renewable? What would you consider the renewable is mainly wind and and solar? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how are we doing in terms of of in New York State of, of having the capacity necessary to meet the needs of those communities, assuming we can sign up a lot more communities? So that is a very good question. So 2023 is pretty sold out, actually. And, uh, you know, we are contracting now for um, 36 municipalities at once, which is the most municipalities that have ever gone on to solar to renewables in this short an amount of time. Um, and we are needing to talk to a lot of resources to get those municipalities covered for this year. For next year, um, it's hopefully going to be Well, no, no, it's not hopefully. It is loosening up, and so our expectation is that um, we will be just fine. But you're raising a real point, which is that the interest in renewables in New York State, particularly, to be honest, really thanks to CCA, because as of next year, we may be reaching close to 50% of the market. And by that, that's not just Juul. It's Juul, Sustainable Westchester, Mega, individual municipalities. It's not just us, mm-hmm. um, just so you know. But, you know, we're really, really pushing the bounds of the market and driving up the price and really supporting supporting those renewables. The good thing is, is that that also then supports the building of new renewables mm-hmm. in New York State, which is, of course, the goal. It's to increase right. the number. It sends the signal of demand. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because of the demand. Now, now we, we know what solar arrays look like, and we know the you know the solar panels on the roofs and all that. Uh, uh, help help me out with the with the windmill part of it. I mean, um, yeah, does anybody ever say, hey, you know, we'd like to build one of those 
really big windmills. <laughs> just one. Does that ever happen? Uh, yes. They are, for whatever reason in New York, they seem to be less popular than solar, but it's absolutely doable. And um, I'm actually not clear why there's less uh, sort of appetite for windmills, it seems, at a local level than there is for solar. It may be partially the, you know, technical reasons, such as the amount of wind in particular areas, because there should be quite a consistent um, current of wind high up. Uh, so that might be one reason, and it may also just be culturally that that solar farms can kind of be hidden behind forest or behind gates, uh, whereas windmills are very, very visible, and that might create more reaction locally. What do you What do you think, Tom, um, Mr. Mayor? Do you I, think I, I, from what I've, I've uh, experienced, you know, in my vacations to Cape Cod and other communities, is that there's a resistance. You know, I, I don't think it's a, uh, well founded uh, on science or anything, but there, there's a resistance from uh, communities uh, for windmills because they, they feel that they're visually uh, unattractive. Uh, they, they, they give an industrial feel, and then there's you know complaints about noise, and there's complaints about birds getting hit with the you know with the blades. Mm. You know, it's I, I don't think that folks are looking at the larger picture, and the larger picture is uh, you know. Aesthetics can't be the driving factor in the future. Uh, what we need to do is just produce energy that uh, you know is carbon free, and uh, it, it's not going to look that aesthetically good. Uh, you know, when when uh, you know when the uh, shoreline moves a hundred yards mm-hmm. uh, all up and down the coast, yeah. that's going to be aesthetically displeasing too. Uh, so you know, we we have to start thinking outside the box and getting outside of our comfort zone and the old paradigms that we've been using for decades yeah. and just, you know, think about, you know, what's best for our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. I, you know, I'd, 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 drive a, I'd drive a half hour to look at a big windmill. You know, you know we, I, I, my, cool. Tom, this is George. You know, we, we drove our daughter up to school up upstate New York and on west of, of uh, Plattsburgh, New York, there's a town called Ellenburg Center. And if you drive through that area, there's a lot of windmills. And we went over the years, we've been driving up there, we saw more and more and more. And they're on farms, you know, and the animals are grazing around them. And we right. parked no, our no, car, no. you know, we parked our car near them. You can't hear it, that the truck that drove by was much louder than the windmill. I mean, the windmill didn't sure. really make much of a sound. So I don't know if those are well-founded concerns that people have. Um, no, I don't think any of the concerns are well-founded. Yeah. I'm just, uh, my my your point was that, you know, this. The resistance, uh, the resistance you know, yeah. don't like them. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think it's wrong. I think we have to, you know, it seems to me like that's some of the low-hanging fruit. That seems like an area of the state that gets a lot of wind, too. I guess out western New York they do as well. There's certain parts of the state sure. that get a lot of wind, and I guess that's one of them. Well, we got, we got wind uh, today anyway. Yeah, we got wind today. Cold <laughs> yeah. wind. Yeah. 845-429-1700 is a call-in number if you'd like to uh, talk to uh, uh, Jessica Stombach, uh, Mayor Tom Murphy, uh me or mm-hmm. or George or Will? Will's here too. Will, I am. Yeah, you know, and and he'll he'll talk to you. Maybe, you know, uh, yeah. So if 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 you got, I mean, what would you if if cross the street from you, right? I mean, would you would you rather have a, a solar array or or a, a windmill or two? I yeah. mean, does it uh, you know do, would it would you need to be part of the deal or uh, or does the idea of one just kind of annoy you or do you think? Uh, Think we're on the right track, uh, you know. Microgrids. What do you yeah. think about any of this stuff? Give us a call. Let us know. And um, 
And I had asked, when our guests come on, and Tom, I didn't ask you, I'm sorry, but uh, I, I asked Jessica about, uh, you know, music that kind of relates to the subject, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, this, uh, this is a song that Jessica chose. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? We love it. All right. <laughs> Lennon. And we got to get Jessica Stomback off the table now. Stop dancing. Come on down. Have a seat. <laughs> but that's what you wanted to hear, right? Now, thank you. There you that's go. Great. There you go. All right, Tom. Tom, are you? Have you calmed down now? Yeah, yeah, but I'm okay. Okay, good, good. Oh, well, so the, the, the mayor has to. The mayor has to uh, uh, get back to. Uh, to his uh, doing what mayors do, do doing mayor stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, by the way, uh, how did the uh, you, you, we had this cold snap? If you're listening on on February fourth, 
and not uh, and not in the future <laughs> on a recording. Um, uh, it's it's pretty cold uh, mm-hmm. today. And uh, how how did uh, uh, did uh, any takers on the warming center, Tom? You know, I think we had uh, one oh, uh, okay. a person uh, who needed some shelter, and uh, she came down to the warming center, and we provided her some shelter and some hot coffee. And uh, I think that that's all we had. But mm-hmm. I, you know, luckily, you know, it, it wasn't uh, a prolonged cold snap, which kind of, as you as you folks have been talking about, mm-hmm. taxes the system mm-hmm. and uh, it has more breakdowns in the heating uh, elements of people's homes. Mm-hmm. So I think we dodged a bullet, and I think we're going to be okay. But yeah. we were happy to provide uh, a little bit of shelter for somebody who needed it today. That's a first for us, right? Uh, the warming center. I'm sorry. What is that, is that a first for us, or, or is that's that the first we ever did? Yep. Oh well, that's great. We well, do cooling good. centers sometimes uh, in the summer when it gets oppressively hot. Yeah. So uh, we were worried about people. Uh, well-being in this frigid, so we tried it for the first time. So you know, we'll, we'll do it again. Good. Yeah, I had a little, and I, I had some uh, water issues this morning where the uh, the water got sluggish because you know the ice was forming in the pipes and stuff like that. So, ah. yeah. And in any event, um, uh, Mayor Tom Murphy, uh, thank you so much for for calling, and we really appreciate it. And we'll, well let you thank get back you for having me. I hope everybody has a great day. Okay, Stay take warm. care, Tom. All right. And uh, so, so Jessica, the. Um, the big picture here. Uh, George has got, got a couple. Well, uh, Jessica, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, what about small businesses? And and we spoke briefly about houses of worship. Is that something? Is that an option for small businesses as well as houses of worship to participate in in getting their energy through um, a source of a renewable energy or to uh, construct their own uh, sources of renewable power? To to uh, how can they fit into the into the into the answer? Yeah. So absolutely. So small businesses can sign up to um, that are within or without of a a community choice aggregation municipality. So somebody that's acted on their home rule, even if they're not in a municipality like that, they can sign up to solar themselves. They will see their um, assuming that's available in their region, they can sign up. And if they do that, they will see their electricity costs go down, right? Because mm-hmm. they'll get a, they'll five to 10% will come off through the solar credits. Mm-hmm. Um, and otherwise, they can also sign up to renewable electricity. And the same is, is true of houses of worship. The mm-hmm. thing to remember also is if uh, houses of worship or, um, you know, people within those communities have land that they would like to uh, build solar storage, whatever on, they they will qualify now, unlike before, they will qualify for these for these tax credits and for these payments from the federal government um, going forward. So that's something that they can consider that wouldn't have been an option in the same way before. How, how would that work? I mean, how would a tax-exempt organization get a tax credit? The federal government has, and this is why municipalities can do it, they're also tax exempt. The federal government simply took the decision that they would make these tax credits available as if they were, these were for-profit entities. So, yeah, this is why it's so powerful. It's just a very, very powerful thing because it opens up um, new possibilities for completely new entities that would never have been able to even think about this kind of thing before um, to, to consider, see what they have available and to consider it.
Mm. Now, the, the broad picture. I've, I've been accused of being a bit of a doomer. You know what a doomer is, don't you? <laughs> yep, yeah. I'm doing my best. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to keep up. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, like, like uh, you know. We're all, we're all we're all doomed. <laughs> it's a doomer, uh, and 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 people have have kind of talked me off the ledge a couple of times. But then I, I I read some more, and then I get more depressed again. So, um, uh, where are you in this um, in this uh, scale of uh, of pessimism and optimism? I mean, you you're feeling pretty good that that we have a way out, or uh, uh, or. Are you uh, worried about some tipping point that's going to have us all um, picking our outfits in a, in a new Mad Max movie? <laughs> well, so for me, it's really twofold. Um, you know, my I, I got into this industry, part of my commitment to this industry, to, to climate action, mm -hmm. is because my, my parents' home is on the water in Massachusetts and they no longer need to water their lawn mm -hmm. because the water table's so high. Um, and so, and, and it floods regularly. My parents' house now becomes a, an island at least once a year. It started out sounding like good happened. news, but then, so, <laughs> yeah. So I have a, a side of really Oh, sorry, you were trying to say something? No, I'm just saying, you know, oh, you don't have to water your lawn. That's good. No, not yeah, necessarily. Yeah, I no longer. I was there during the drought this summer. It stayed green the whole time. So wow. so that was like that. That's, that makes it very real to me. But I think the other thing is that I see that's my sort of glisten of hope is that the solutions we're coming with are becoming more and more effective and scalable. Mm -hmm. And my hope is that while it's taken us much too long to get going, some of the technologies that we're doing and some of the policies that we're putting into place can help us to advance faster than we have to date. And so that's my hope. My hope is that the, the conversation is now really global. Um, as you were saying last week, you know, the, the climate deniers are getting smaller and smaller. Also, less and less people are thinking that this has nothing to do with us. There's more acceptance and there's more reaction. And particularly among young people, uh, you know, there's a real reaction. Yeah, and the conflict. To, and, the conflict and so that, that makes me hopeful. And the con conflict appears to be not uh, whether it's happening, but... What do we do about it? Uh, you know, the, the, the choice, yeah. which is which is something. We have yeah. a caller on the but, line with a question. You no, know, I work with big financial funds. Sure. And they all take, it, or did in Europe, and they all they all take this into account. I mm -hmm. mean, even Coca Cola mm -hmm. has to take climate change and climate action yeah, into account because we are placed. Marianne, you're on the air. Uh, hang on, we we have a we have a question, uh, Jessica. Uh, who who's calling? Oh, I'm sorry. Hello? Hi. Yes. Who, who's on yeah, the line I have a there? question. I know you mentioned a lot of the people that were on board, one of them being Clarkstown. But um, those of us who signed up, it seemed to have ended, and they said they'll be picking it up again in the spring. What's, well, this, uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? You call, I'm Marian from West Nyack. Okay, Marian. Okay. Um, hey. So I'm just wondering um, why did it end? Was it just a trial? Does this happen every time it's signed up? It, it, Picks up, it drops off and picks up in the spring. I'm trying to understand it. I think it's a. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Jessica. It's a, it's a contract with a beginning and an end. Am I correct? That's right. So 
you, that's exactly it. So the contracts end, and then we recontract. So right now, you actually have a new contract, and what's happening at this moment is that your billing information is being sent to the electricity supplier, and that has to get processed. And it takes them a it, the steps involved in those all the things that have to happen to move residents onto this new contract are taking place and you actually have a new supplier that already just got contracted and your billing information is being processed as soon as it's processed you're going to start to receive the the, was this like um, a yearly is it a yearly thing year to year or could it run uh, it's, it's biannual mm-hmm. okay so so you won't have to do this again for a while yeah hey uh, marianne okay. how's your how's your bill been um yeah i mean uh, some savings yeah. But yeah. I'm also very, I try to be very conservative, so that helps, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've told the story many times. As, as I, 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 How are the bills, Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Uh, I do have to play this by the rule of the, what, what happened the show. She said conservative. Oh, no. About 10% oh, savings on She didn't on mean it in that way, no, but. No, no, no. <laughs> and any savings is helpful. conservative party. Well, see, we'll, All right. we'll like stick it to the letter people, of the law and, uh, there. Thanks. You wrote it. Marianne, so. Well, the, the, one of the stories I was uh, uh, telling is that uh, I joined, a, I had one where I live, and my bill went up, and I got upset that, that I thought it was the, the, the service, and it turned out I was actually saving money. I was just using too much energy. You know? So uh, it's, 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 a, it's a complicated formula sometimes. Right. Yeah. So, but, uh, right. Je- Jessica, Marianne's bringing up the fact that there was an interruption in the contract that would normally not happen, right? Wasn't it partly due to the fact that there was a, a tremendous change in the price of energy due to the okay. war? Wasn't there a number of factors mm-hmm. that went into this uh, last contract that uh, I know Westchester had some issues? Yeah, in Westchester was interrupted. Getting, well. uh, yeah, there was an interruption that may not be the normal, right? Is that correct, uh, Jessica? We try okay. and make it, that's right, so it's a bit longer than it would normally have been mm-hmm. because we wanted to wait until um, the pricing would be advantageous for people, so we allowed for a longer pause than we normally would allow for, and that is due to the really like you're saying, the variability in the market now. So the market's going up and down and up and down, and we wanted to wait for a downtime. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we, we did sign up, and we'd point. be happy to be, you know, continue it. So uh, thanks for the program. I'll be listening. Thanks. Okay, Marianne, thank you very much. You're thanks welcome. for calling Bye-bye. in. Take care now. And now there was a, she called it on 845-429-1700. If you'd like to call in, uh, as we're talking to uh, uh, Jessica Stombach from uh, Jewel about uh, energy aggregation and clean energy and solar and wind and all that mm. stuff, you know. Mm. Um, uh, so, and you were saying that you, you that you you're feeling a little optimistic, a little optimistic. Is that right? No, I mean. Y- Look, I, climate change has hit us a lot faster and and more dramatically than we thought it would, mm-hmm. um, and so that's that's not good. The the upside is that people are now really aware, and it, the solutions that are there, you know, um, the ability to to do things faster and better, more quickly does mean that hopefully we will be able to be more effective in future and and slow this down right and how about this fusion thing i mean that's uh uh that you know i i i I don't want to get too excited but then again somebody um uh somebody pointed out that we went from uh the the wright brothers to supersonic flight in 44 years so uh you know what seems impossible might not be 
I mean, uh, so anyway, fusion. Yeah, and and the other thing is, is that it's not always wildly complicated. So it's it's doing the thing that's complicated. The solutions aren't always so complicated. So if you look, for example, even at something like farming, just to change the topic a little bit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, one of the biggest emitters of um, carbon in the U.S., but also the globe, is plowing fields. Because you have all that carbon that's in the fields, the the old wheat stumps, the old Mm -hmm. corn husks, etc. Simply not plowing, simply changing the form of the plow can drastically reduce the carbon emissions from farming, and farming Mm -hmm. is one of the most carbon-intensive industries that there is. Right? That is not complicated. We already know it. It also, by the way, helps to save water. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps to um, increase the health of the soil and improve um, biodiversity. It's a, it's a question of doing it. It's a question of a new policy and a new norm, and that's what's taking us the time. You're talking about windmills. Windmills, we're not culturally used seeing windmills when you ha- when you grow up with them like you do if you live in Denmark or whatever mm-hmm. windmills are pretty I mean mm-hmm. you just see them and think oh that's pretty mm-hmm. you know look it's a windy day today these aren't complicated things I think you know when when we started this discussion a few decades ago the solutions were not even known mm-hmm. And I was involved in trying to convince, create visions of what we would be able to do. That's simply not the case now. We, the things that would be most effective to do quickly and would not be particularly costly are known. And so it's a question of doing them. And the will to do them, to act, as we see just from on a local level in New York State, like the topic of this conversation is really growing. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is the source of optimism. Hmm. And uh, and again, this is um, this is an, uh, a subject that doesn't always, but really should, uh, straddle the um, philosophical and political divide that we face. That uh, there's nothing really uh, inherently controversial about uh, about man-made climate change and and uh, the solutions. Although we can disagree about uh, mm-hmm. how much uh, um, government uh, input there is, but uh, it should be a bipartisan thing. Am I, you know, I mean. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you, and and you know, I we have a couple of communities that are Republican-run that do that have gone 100% renewable, and they did it because the contracts were protective and worked and and also um they were they were good with being being 100 percent renewable and i think on the left there's a couple of really important things and and the the democratic party there's a couple of I think there's some noise on the line. <laughs> no, no, that Jessica, I, I didn't. Uh, did we have a we have a rule about not saying uh, uh, the party names. So I'm. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we didn't tell you about it's, that, Jessica. It's, okay. it's a lighthearted thing that that, that, that we, we that we remind ourselves that we're we're trying. Well, to... now I'm I'm happy as I, I didn't get beat for for foul language. And when uh, and when uh, uh, when uh, Marianne said the c word. 
which is uh, uh, the, the, the the band words are. What are the band words, Will? The band words are Republican, Democrat, conservative, and liberal. There we go. So, so. Well, there we go. Okay. <laughs> so so uh, we is the community that care about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was it now? Which I go on both on on. It doesn't have to always be a divide. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and I, I don't think, think it should be. I think there's a lot in yeah. the framing. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that, that's the point that we're trying to make. Open doors or shuts doors, and opens mm-hmm. if we want to get romantic. Opens hearts and shuts them, and we need to be willing to listen to the other side, to understand what their concerns are, mm-hmm. and work together. And uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, it, it has been an absolute uh, delight having you uh, here. Is there something that we didn't get to cover? We want to make sure, Jessica, that you gave us contact information. So if people want to learn right, more right, right, uh, right. from you and, and, and maybe your website address or anything that you'd like to know before we uh, reach the top of the hour. Sure. So our website is jewelcommunitypower.com. Spelled J-O-U-L-E? Yes. Okay. O-U-L-E. All one word, right? com. all one word. Mm-hmm. And um, we will, if you write us on that, we will get back to you very quickly. Um, my name's Jessica Strombach, and you're welcome to reach out to me um, anytime as well. And, and we will, we would love to engage. Well, this is great. You are doing, um, uh, doing the kind of work that I, I imagine allows you to sleep at night. <laughs> Thank you. It does feel meaningful. I feel really, really privileged. And I just want to say, and I, I mean this for real, like one of the privileges is to work with the local leaders that are really making change on the ground. I, mm-hmm. You know, they're great people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't get nearly enough credit for what they do. And, it, you know, it's a real pleasure to be able to be a part of that. Yeah, you know, it, it's. Um, uh, I spent a long time in, in journalism where we were, uh, we were a little cynical about, uh, you know, for those in public service. And I have seen uh, how people like uh, Tom Murphy we had on a little while ago, and a lot of the people who serve on boards and mm-hmm. and spend their, uh, you know, their their uh, a cold Wednesday evening in February in a in a drafty gymnasium talking about uh, egress and in- ingress and <laughs> and b- budgets and stuff, and you realize that people are really have their nose to the grindstone to uh, to make uh, mm-hmm. government work mm-hmm. and um, and uh, it's it's not all cynical so uh, uh, and well, thank you for your work and uh, thank you Jessica appreciate, I appreciate you being it. our guest thank you very much thank you so much for having me and stay warm yes you too take care Jessica Stombach CEO of Jewel and uh, we're approaching the top of the hour you're listening to WRCR, uh, AM 1700, WRCR.com. This is Tough Times with Lou Young. And uh, we are now uh, about to uh, go to church here, all right? <laughs> go to church with uh, Reverend Billy and the Church of Stop Shopping. Um, there is a, uh, a guy named Tor- Tortuguita Presente uh, uh, who was killed uh, recently uh, in a... Um, Ecological demonstration in uh, near Atlanta, uh, and um, part of the uh, the show you're about to hear uh, involves that. It's terrific new music from the uh, Church of Stop Shopping Choir and the uh, Fiery Eagles of Justice. Uh, Reverend Billy um, uh, has recordings from uh, an action uh, they took a a, a uh, naughty naughty uh, activist action inside a Chase Bank uh, uh, facility in Manhattan, and. Um, uh, that's it, you know. Uh, he's also uh, listened for this, this delightful playing of the Estonian national anthem and why they're doing it. 
And uh, that's uh, <laughs> a half hour of delight. And we'll see you on the other side. On the and, other side. And we'll take your calls as well. Okay, let's, let's, uh, let's head in to the Church of Stop Shopping. Here we go. And welcome to Earth Riot Radio. I'm Reverend Billy here in New York City. And this is a production of the Church of Stop Shopping. I have felt for some time, I know a lot of you feel the same way, that activism from simply people doing something bold, not with media, not with money necessarily, just activism, the way social movements always begin, bodies in public space moving, expressing boldly, I felt stuck in rallies and marches, rallies and marches. And then something happened today. We were in a tent, in a tent inside a Chase Bank, inside Rockefeller Center, inside New York City. And we were singing about a man who was shot by cops who were getting money from Chase Bank. And we sang his nickname, his affectionate nickname, Tortuguita. And in that tent, we sang his name again and again and again. And we knew that our voices were going out to the tellers and the customers and the executives in their desks. And some, somewhere in that experience, inside that tent, I felt a doorway open, the doorway of activism swinging open. I could feel inside New York, inside Rockefeller Center, inside Chase Bank, inside that tent, the name of Tortuguita, shot in his tent in a forest on the edge of Atlanta, a forest protector with the name Tortuguita, which means little tortoise. But this is how they were shown How to live too fast and act too grown But most live so high yet only no lows Never learn how to stand on their own Cause they always face life on their toes When this concrete jungle with all of his woes That roses in Harlem that somehow still grow And I 
I suppose we're more chillin' than flowers will show. Nurture the children and the wind will blow. And the world will be a better place instead of the cheddar race. Or if not a threat to humanity, we will forever face. Cause round my block, the youth are used as modern day pawns. Hustling death till there's nothing left from dust to dawn. To every last bit of their soul is gone. And they forever travel in shadows to live life amongst the scorn. Wishing they could be reborn. Looking for a jack to feed on. And some of them mentally be gone. And since they never got their read on, they never understood why I was born for them to see their seed born. So the next generation grieves on and bleeds on. And this can happen for eons. Unless we form a legion to attack these demons. I want to stop our breathing so we can't inhale freedom. How many of our kids have asthma due to the plaster? How many of our family members suffer from cancer? Still look at this government for answers. How many of our youth go bananas at the color bandanas? Because their minds have been desensitized by the time they finish failing grammar. The most of their lives failing grandma in the slammer. Trying to make runs from the slums of New York to Atlanta. Didn't know the difference between a black panther and a white panda. Both were extinct animals if you ask them. But if you couldn't mask them and examine and show them all the horror in their lives, they observed the curve random was due to years of steady planning. Our people have been left stranded and abandoned, trapped in way before Katrina.
to save ourselves when guns and torches are dropped so we can touch when cops jail bankers to save the kids of cops and bankers when Christmas is abandoned when black and brown lesbians run the Department of Justice when we have this great idea resist extinction resist 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 extinction now now when when we take personal responsibility for the superstorm when we go outside until outside is no longer outside anymore when we stop calling the storms criminal scandals and climb the mountains and cross the rivers to be with our nationless friends when we're willing to do what it takes to save ourselves when we see that our spare room is a young mother's dream when we feel years of laughter and music in a gift economy when we stop shopping when we stop shopping and start living when we're grateful at thanksgiving that we're radically changing when radically changing when when is the time to act when now the singing revolution now you've been listening to some some songs by people and by life generally and we we sing life sings and taking just the human part of life we sing when we want change social movements always have a musical element some the civil rights movement singing is very central to it I think that's also true of ACT UP. Um, we embrace lifting the voice. Of course, we're, we're, uh, we are a singing church. The Church of Stop Shopping has a 35-voice choir. And recently, we had a direct action, which I shared with you at the beginning at the welcome there, uh, which is we sang inside the Chase Bank a uh, bank that is putting so much CO2 into the air and nitrous oxide, methane. And we um, sang in Rockefeller Center, which is the Exxon building right there and has the legacy of, of that fossil fuel, a famous sort of fossil fuel address. Chase Bank comes from Standard Oil, Exxon, Chevron, and so forth. Well, singing singing our way as a nonviolent way to be there with a heightened, a heightened presence. It slows down the police. It makes people think. And there's a reason that it, that, it, that it works. We think especially of the success of Estonia trying to win its independence from the Soviet Union in 1991, which was converting at that time into Russia, but still the Russian bear right next door to Estonia, dominating that little country for so long Estonia started singing its illegal national anthem. 
And at the point of their independence, the entire country, or very close to the entire country, were out in the public plaza singing this national anthem. So we would like to sing for the earth and sing for freedom from racism, sing for the love of humankind and the love of life. Earthalluya, here we go. I'm going to send you into the news from the natural world with just a little bit of the taste of Estonians singing for their independence. Welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. Guinea worm is poised to be the second human disease to be eradicated after smallpox. Only 13 human cases of guinea worm disease were reported worldwide last year. After decades of progress, the eradication program's director cautioned that the end phase of the global effort to eradicate the parasitic disease will be the most difficult. The 13 remaining infections occurred in four countries in sub-Saharan Africa. Chad, South Sudan, Ethiopia, and the Central African Republic. 
It's a significant drop from when former President Jimmy Carter began leading the global eradication effort in 1986, when the disease infected 3.5 million people. The guinea worm is a parasite that can grow as long as three feet. The worm incubates in people for up to a year before painfully emerging, often through the feet or other sensitive parts of the body. Guinea worm affects some of the world's most vulnerable people and can be prevented by training them to filter and drink clean water. Five Mennonite colonies in Central and South America have been reported for clearing forests by indigenous communities. Many of these cases are being investigated by prosecutors and environmental authorities. Indigenous and other local populations report that extensive areas have been deforested to introduce soy, corn, and sorghum in five Latin American countries, Bolivia, Colombia, Mexico, Paraguay, and Peru. More than 500,000 deforestation alerts generated between January and October 2022 took a team of journalists to five critical points where they found forests logged without authorization, as well as occupation of native community territories and land trafficking. The map of the Mennonite presence calculates that there are around 214 Mennonite colonies in Latin America that cover a total area of about 3.9 million hectares, an area bigger than the Netherlands, according to the study. The Mennonites first arrived in Mexico in 1922. A Texas Tribune analysis of state data found that at least 268 people in Texas were killed by heat last year. A large portion of those deaths were migrants who died while crossing the border. The Diversified Energy Company, the largest owner of oil and gas wells in the United States, may abandon up to 70,000 oil and gas wells throughout Appalachia without plugging them, according to a new report. The company spent the last five years acquiring tens of thousands of aging, low-producing conventional oil and gas wells in Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, and Kentucky. Conventional oil and gas wells are traditional wells where fossil fuels are extracted through vertical boreholes. A new report published by the Ohio River Valley Institute finds that the company's financial liabilities exceeded its assets by more than $300 million in June of 2022, prompting concerns that diversified energy will go bankrupt without plugging its wells. Unplugged oil and gas wells can emit climate-warming methane and air pollutants that are hazardous to human health, contaminate soil and groundwater, and allow gas to migrate into occupied buildings, creating a risk of fatal explosions. When drillers abandon wells without plugging them, taxpayers are generally left to clean up the mess. The Biden administration announced this week that it had banned logging and road building on about 9 million acres of the Tongass National Forest in southeast Alaska, aiming to settle a two-decade battle over the fate of North America's largest temperate rainforest. The new rule reinstates protections in the pristine Alaskan backcountry that were first imposed in 2001 but stripped away by President Donald Trump in 2020. Tom Vilsack, the agriculture secretary, said the effort would protect cedar, hemlock, and Sitka spruce trees, many of them more than 800 years old, that provide essential habitat for 400 species of wildlife, including bald eagles, salmon, and the world's greatest concentration of black bears. The towering trees also play an essential role in fighting climate change. They store more than 10% of the carbon accumulated by all national forests in the United States. 
A new study shows that the Milky Way is too big for its cosmological wall, something yet to be observed in other galaxies. A cosmological wall is a flattened arrangement of galaxies found surrounding other galaxies, characterized by particularly empty regions called voids on either side of it. These voids seem to squash the galaxies together into a pancake-like shape to make this flattened arrangement. This wall environment, in this case called the local sheet, influences how the Milky Way and nearby galaxies rotate around their axes in a more organized way than if we were in a random place in the universe without a wall. Typically, galaxies tend to be significantly smaller than this so-called wall. The Milky Way is found to be surprisingly massive in comparison to its cosmological wall, a rare cosmic occurrence. The ultraviolet nail polish drying devices used to cure gel manicures may pose more of a public health concern than previously thought. Researchers at the University of California, San Diego have studied these ultraviolet light emitting devices and found that their use leads to cell death and cancer causing mutations in human cells. The devices are a common fixture in nail salons. Researchers have found that the biggest influencer in the spread of fake news is the social platform structure of rewarding users for habitually sharing information. Just 15% of the most habitual news sharers in the research were responsible for spreading about 30 to 40% of the fake news. Social media has a reward system that encourages users to stay on their accounts and keep posting and sharing. Users who post and share frequently, especially sensational eye-catching information, are likely to attract attention. Due to the reward-based learning system on social media, users form habits of sharing information that get recognition from others. Once habits form, information sharing is automatically activated by cues on the platform without users considering critical response outcomes such as whether the information is true. Misinformation isn't spread through a deficit users may have, such as ignorance. It's really a function of the structure of the social media sites themselves. Siberia is experiencing dangerously cold weather. On Sunday, January 15th, temperatures of negative 62.4 degrees Celsius or negative 80.32 degrees Fahrenheit were picked up in Tongalak, a rural part of Sakha Republic, Russia. The temperatures are a new all-time low for the station at Tongalak and the coldest temperature in Siberia since 2002. It is comparable to the temperature on Mars. New data from satellites shows that Europe has been experiencing a severe drought for years. Across the continent, groundwater levels have been consistently low since 2018, even if extreme flooding temporarily gives a different picture. And now the sounds of extinction. The laughing owl, or weekow, became extinct in the early 20th century. The last known bird was one found dead on a road at Blue Cliff Station near Timaru in southern New Zealand in 1914. The species had succumbed to the clearance of its habitat to create farms and to newly introduced predators. Stoats, ferrets, cats, and rats proved especially fatal for the birds. Effective hunters of beetles, birds, and lizards, the laughing owl 
so-called because its shrieks had the quality of a crazed laugh, had no defense against deadly mammalian predators. Not only were they the prey of wild mammals, but humans hunted them too, for museum specimens, for curio collections, and for zoos. Laughing owls lived in fissures or deep crevices of limestone cliffs, and probably in tree holes before large-scale forest clearance had occurred. Some nest sites were used for many generations. A Takaka cave site is thought to have been continuously inhabited by the laughing owl for at least 10,000 years. And sadly, there are no recordings of the laughing owl, the weak owl. time to say thank you and so long i'm reverend billy i want to thank the people that record birds we take we take your bird sounds off the youtube we don't go out into the forest and record birds ourselves nina faust is one of the recording people the people of estonia also volunteered their national anthem we uh would like to have given every one of the forty thousand people there one dollar but not this time joan Baez singing we shall overcome the welfare poets the legendary mike on the beat that youtube that music video was directed by sonia malfa the the welfare poets well they performed with reverend billy back in 2003 i think and uh hearty hello to these really community intense radical hard-working Friends up in Harlem, thank you so much. Savitri D, news from the natural world. Savitri is the director of our three o'clock church services, our Joe's Pub shows. Thank you, Savi. The Eagles, Jason Candler, the editor of this radio show, on saxophone with Brendan Burke on drums. And Laura Newman, we are the 99. One of our actual hits, the Stop Shopping Choir does have they can point to, we are the 99%. It was translated into 15 different languages and hundreds of thousands of downloads. Well, we remember fondly the Occupy Wall Street days. We just had uh, David Graber's longtime partner here in the house, Nika Dubrovsky. Nika, much love to you. And David, we miss you. Well, singing our way, so forcefully, singing our way through the Chase Bank, dealing with the sins, dealing with the, the fascism of that place, perpetrated upon us by the highest paid, paid Wall Street executive, Jamie Dimon, $35 million annually that we know of. God knows about the hidden income. Sue me for saying that, Jamie, come on. I'm kidding. No, I'm not. We, we will sing in this bank that finances police violence. We will sing in this bank that finances gentrification through its mortgage programs. We will sing in this bank more than anything. We will sing in this bank for just being violent against life. And I'm thinking, of course, Earth Alleluia. I'm thinking of 
the contribution to the toxicity in the atmosphere by J.P. Morgan Chase. How can't you think about that? The nitrous oxide, the methane, the CO2, the fluorinated gases, the greenhouse gases, heating up this planet every time you pick up the newspaper. If your own, if your own windows aren't being blown out and your roof being ripped off, you can read about it in the paper. Somebody else is in pain and the suffering and, and, and lost livelihoods. And just, um, we are in the sixth extinction, the apocalypse. It is accelerating and Chase is making money from it. And we will keep singing. Somebody give me an earth hallelujah here today. Reverend Billy and the Church of Stop Shopping, the podcast within a podcast on WRCR AM 1700. This is Lou Young, Tough Times with Lou Young, uh, here with uh, George Patanovic and Will Hennessy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we spoke uh, last hour with Jessica Stombach before we uh, went to church with uh, Reverend Billy. Mm -hmm. And uh, don't make Reverend Billy mad. I would, uh, you know, he is a. He's, he's, a, he's fearsome. A force to be reckoned with. He's a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> and, and, and it's hard to get me mad at him because he's, he's singing and <laughs> he's got people with him in costumes and stuff. And, you know, I, it's funny at his demonstrations, you see, like, the security people come in there. They're trying to be tough with him. But yeah, how, do you be, how do you tough with a guy it's wearing a collar. who looks like Elvis in a... In a Barefoot in a bright neon pink suit. <laughs> and, and, and he's got all these people with him who are singing. And uh, it's... it's, it's uh, uh, he just takes the air out of uh, out of the um, mm-hmm. venom that uh, that uh, some folks want to instinctually direct against them. Mm-hmm. So uh, God bless Reverend Billy. Mm-hmm. All right, that's all. Earthalulia. Earthalulia. <laughs> Although um, I, I think he may be an atheist. I don't even know. I mean, <laughs> I think he's spiritually connected with humanity in the earth i don't yeah. know if he believes in any specific I, deity I told him, when I, well I, he's he, he something's happened to him on his journey there but uh, he became uh, reverend billy yeah he became reverend billy he yeah. is reverend billy now he uh mm-hmm. he, he used to be bill talent <laughs> anyway uh, so uh what was in the in the show that you liked or, or you want to uh Talk about Tortugita. Tortugita. Tortugita, his real name is uh, Man. What was it? Manuel uh, Esteban Paez. I believe there's a fourth name, actually. Yeah, he, he's, at this he's the young man who was. Uh, Esteban Paez Tehran. Yeah, yeah, who was uh, killed by the police uh, near Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And um, it's. It's just, like, sad overall. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, they, they were talking about it. I don't remember how far in detail it was, but they're protesting uh, the co- the construction of what's being called Cop City yeah. at the moment. It, um, it, it's, it's got a number of things in it, including a... Uh, Including a police training facility, but the the idea is that they're protecting uh, that forest near that urban forest near Atlanta. And anyway, in any event, I'm sure you know. I am sure that they didn't go out there to kill somebody, but uh, you know, but it happened. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. uh, so uh, we got a caller on the line. Who, who's on? Who's on the line? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, hi. This is Arlene Kahn. I, first of all, am calling to wish my dearest friend, George, a very happy birthday. George, happy birthday. birthday. Thank you, Arlene. Yes, wow. you will always be older than me. I have to remind you of that. No, that'll never change. That'll never change. <laughs> I knew you since you were a little guy. Um, Arlene, where are you calling from? So I'm calling from Pomona. Okay. 
And the reason I'm calling other than to wish George a happy birthday is I'd like to talk a little bit about what's going on at the High Tour Animal Shelter. Oh, Lord, that has been, that, that, that's been decades, it's a, the conversation. So fill us in briefly on, on, uh, on, on what your concern is. Okay. So um, first of all, I'm having a little trouble hearing you guys, so forgive me if I talk over you or something okay. like that. Got it. Um, but I'd like to just first off say that I um, started and administrate the Rockland County Cats Parents page on Facebook, mm -hmm. which is a dedicated group of cat lovers all over the county mm -hmm. and activists. I also started and administrate the Town of Ramapo Community page mm -hmm. on Facebook, and I also started the Rebuild High Tour Animal Shelter organization um, about eight years ago with um, Clarkstown Town Councilman Donald Franchino. Now, now for, for people who aren't familiar with this, I mean, I remember when I was well, still reporting, uh, High Tour is Rockland County's animal shelter. Yes, so it is the only animal shelter, municipal animal shelter in Rockland County. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot going on. And, um, you know, you hear everybody, you know, has different stories and such. And I, I think I can, you know, tell you a lot of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I also just, before I forget, well, well, I want to tell your audience that mm -hmm. if they, you know, want more information or if I forget something, to please go to the rcbizjournal.com. That's oh, R-C-B-I-Z. RCBizjournal, got it. In a nutshell, there's been controversy over the years about the financing and, and, and how it's run and uh, is it being run well and is right. somebody uh, uh, skimming money or, or whatever. What's the current st situation of that? It, 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 are things settled down? Uh, is, it gonna, is somebody taking over? In a nutshell, what's going on right now? Okay, so basically, let me give you a little background on that. So the um, Rockland County Solid Waste Management Authority, which is now called Rockland Green, mm -hmm. changed their, um, their charter to be able to take over uh, animal management in Rockland County. Okay. So they took over the running of the Hytra Animal Shelter as of January 1st. Got it. Okay. So things are, they have a new executive director there. Things are going well on that front. They mm -hmm. gave quite a nice bit of money to High Tour. Things sure. look pretty hopeful on that front. Mm -hmm. However, they are planning to build the new shelter in a location, and I actually have spoken to George about this, mm -hmm. um, a, a, an absolutely horrible location environmentally and in every other way in Havistra. So my main concern of calling your show is to talk about the environmental issues in the new site that they want to build mm -hmm. and also to tear down their reasons why they don't want to build in the current high tour site. Mm -hmm. So if, if I could just tell you a couple of the problems, I uh, don't know how okay. much time I, mean, I have. I don't want to get too, too far in the weeds here because this is a uh, – th th this th uh, there's a relationship between the, uh, between the, the director and uh, – and the uh, the woman that runs RC Biz Journal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, Tina Traster, who's the editor in chief there, is married to Rick Tannenbaum, who is just a okay. So, so I mean, listen, director. everybody everybody loves animals and they want to they want to take care of them. But there's a there's a little bit of a what power struggle going on. Would you call it that, Adele, uh, Eileen? No, Arlene. Arlene. Uh, Arlene. No, not at all. Let me, let me just say something. That Mr. I called you Adele. The, <laughs> we have an just, Adele song coming up. <laughs> he became the executive director just uh, like uh -huh. two weeks ago. Yeah. And Tina Traster has been reporting on this for many, many, many months. So, And, and I'm an independent person. I answer to nobody, yeah. as George knows. Uh -huh. So I think I can give a very unbiased view of what's going on here. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, let's see if we can get to the bottom line because uh, I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to reopen this can of worms. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> let me. And, and again, if I'm too detailed, tell me. Okay. I don't know much, how right. much time you're going to give me. But the site. Okay. So so I did speak to George because I respect him enormously, and I also spoke to Gordon Wren, who was the sure. head of fire and emergency services of Rockland County, who actually came to the site with me. Mm-hmm. And um, there are basically six reasons to not build there and it's it's by the joint sewer authority the stench there is unbelievable it's uh across from an uncapped construction landfill where they're going to put in a truck distribution center with trucks going in and out all day and night uh it's next to a landfill with methane outgassing it is a fema designated floodplain okay so that's those those are all the environmental issues going on there i think that's enough really okay, so you think the new the new site for the new uh, dog shelter is not is not optimal it's not optimal did you say yeah it, it's not only not optimal it's horrible okay, okay. all right all right all right okay and so so that's uh, uh, so so there's a controversy over moving it so that's the location and if mm-hmm. i might say they're going to refurbish a, a big warehouse to be the do- the um, animal shelter for mm-hmm. dogs and cats and other animals and it has no windows it's two stories high it's just completely <sighs> ridiculous for okay. them to even think of building there all right so people need to know and, oh, excuse me, it's also nowhere near a highway. So you know what people are going to do? People are going to try to get there. They're going to surrender a cat or a dog. They're going to get lost, and they're going to pull over to the side of the road and let the cat or dog out and say, you know what? I can't deal with this. I can't even find the place. All right. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I know uh, I've been to the animal shelter in, uh, in uh, Westchester in, in uh, New Rochelle. A number of times you have to look for it and stuff. I mean, there's always there's always a downside to stuff. I mean, uh, uh, this seems like it's a uh, it's a um, uh, a fight over uh, over details that uh, that have to be worked out by the folks who are doing it. I mean, who Arden, isn't, isn't one of the one of the reasons for moving it to Havistro, I thought was there was going to be a lot less money than the original plan. I'm uh, glad you brought that yeah, up. Yeah, and I just thought I read in, uh, maybe it was in Rockland County Biz, uh, I thought the price now comes up comparable to what the original price was. So it seemed to change quite dramatically that big benefit that was supposed to be the I'm, real reason for moving it. I'm so glad you brought that up because Howard Phillips, who knows me very well because I go to his meetings every month, and as a matter of fact, he told me he would meet me at the site himself, and I'm definitely mm-hmm. taking him up on that offer. But um, he had basically, very quickly, three reasons to not stay at the same site, okay? Fireworks, which is not an issue because the new shelter will be soundproofed and vibration-proofed. So forget the fireworks at the Boulder Stadium because it's not an issue. He spoke about smoke from the fire training center. And I had Gordon Wren write me up a statement how there, I won't get into details, but the smoke is not an issue. And Mr. Phillips said, oh, well, he brought up the smoke because of a, a residence petition. So that was, I mean, you... All right, well... Uh, so, okay, now the cost. Let's go to the cost, okay? And by the way, the current location is fabulous, okay? So the cost. So with the county, when the county was handling this, okay, the rough cost was about $18 million to build a new shelter at the current Hydro location, mm-hmm. all right? Now, let me just break down... Whose money is it? But, I'm sorry? Whose money? Whose $18 million? 
Well, that comes from bonds and, and grants and things like that. But the, but George had asked about, you know, the, the nut and bolt cost. Yeah. Because, because Howard Phillips does keep saying it's going to be so much cheaper to go up to Havistraw, even though it's a toxic waste dump, okay? And But, George, you're right, because it's not spelling out to be that way. So $18 million was the estimated cost to be at the um, current shelter site mm -hmm. to, to build from scratch. On Fireman's Drive or wherever that is over there. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. The new site, all right, so let me break this down. I hope I get it right, okay, but it's close. It's close. To purchase the existing warehouse is approximately $4 million. Then they have to retrofit it. Now, an animal shelter is all not right. just building nothing. It's a big deal, okay? Yeah. And that is coming to be 12 to 15 million to retrofit, okay? He's not sure of the exact number, but he did sign a lease to lease that building for two years, even though he's not sure of the number. I get that we're, we're, we're in the weeds now on, on, the, on the details of the animal shelter. Mr. Young, can I just say one more cost, sure. please, if you don't mind? Thank you. And to lease the building for the next two years in order to refurbish it, $500,000. Okay. So the cost is just about the same in either location. All right. So you'd, you'd rather just leave it where it is? Without a doubt. Okay, all right. Uh, and uh, where's the Humane Society at all this? Hudson Valley Humane? Well, any Humane Society. It's a different group, I think. Well, okay, Hudson well, Valley Humane Society is a rescue. They're not a municipal animal shelter. You know, every, every county has to have somebody taking care of their animals, and that's, that's called a municipal shelter. Hudson Valley Humane, which is also in Pomona, is a rescue. And the difference being is the rescue can pick and choose. Do they want an animal? Do they don't want an animal? They're not answering to anybody, whereas a municipal shelter has to abide by certain mandates. In, in I'm, I'm just I'm just wondering because over in Westchester, you know, I've I've gone to the uh, the Humane Society shelter in uh, New Rochelle mm -hmm. over the course of decades, and uh, and it and, and that's where we've gotten our pets and and uh, you know my, my my daughter and us and and it you know and it, and it's in a it's in an industrial area and all that, but uh, it doesn't seem to have all this controversy. But didn't didn't the county also say that they're out of this now, uh, Arlene? Isn't this a sort of a, an agreement that has already been reached? I was surprised to yeah. see the price difference because I thought the original was the price was supposed to be so much less, but wasn't the agreement already reached then? Is this sort of already been decided or not? Well, first of all, surprise, surprise, that you thought the price was set when yeah. it absolutely wasn't, and he's still getting estimates. Right. Uh, so the county is out of it now. The county uh, leased the current building to Rockland Green, where Hytro currently is, for a dollar mm -hmm. a year, and they are completely out of the animal management part of this at this point. Right. So it's all it's all Rockland Green. Now, what is Howard Phillips' endgame with all of this? I mean, you know, it makes no rational sense what he's saying, particularly when you're comparing prices. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I don't know if any OSHA or anybody like that has to approve building, you know, on this Havistraw site because it can't possibly pass muster. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It, it's toxic. It's uh, when we went out there with Gordon Wren, a few of us went out, and three of the people got instant headaches, and one got so nauseous she had to leave. Right. All right, I think. Okay, well, yeah. well, listen, I um, uh, I don't know where you are with that, but but good, I I know that when I was, <laughs> I left news um, more than five years ago, and 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 probably ten, fifteen years ago, 
there was a there was you know there was a controversy about the the animal shelter and uh, and what you know uh, and so it was it, it's it's always it's always been surrounded by controversy. I don't know why. He'll and still be talking about that on his he I mean Howard Phillips will still be talking yeah. about that on his. Uh, Morning uh, so, show segment. So, so who's Thursday. who's taking responsibility? Uh, Howard Phillips is the uh, head of Rockland Greens. Yeah, he's also the supervisor of Town of Haverstraw. Okay, yes. so so um, uh, so this is a a nonprofit that's running the animal shelter. Rockland Green is the uh, Rockland Solid Waste Management. Recycling and all the oh, stuff that you know, we did a show with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Recycling that's and such. That's an odd marriage, animal control and. Uh, <clears throat> and well, recycling. unless you think that animals are solid waste. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, in any Sorry. event, g- g- uh, well, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank. <laughs> I don't see. You know. I mean, I remember that it was uh, that it was a uh, uh, controversy. I don't remember the exact nature of the controversy. Uh, God, we did a shame on you on it. That's what it was. Oh. We put somebody in the hall of shame. Shame on you. Shame on you. Yeah, we did a shame on you on it, and somebody was in the hall of shame because of uh, how they were handling uh, uh, adopted pets. Yeah, you know, it's it's been a lot of controversy, and, and it's terrible, and it's sad. But, you know, this main thing that I'm focusing on is the new location mm-hmm. and why they're not going to stay in, in the current location. And it's it's developing, and when I go to the site with him, because he did offer, mm-hmm. you know, to go to the site with me, particularly because I keep bringing up where are you going to walk the dogs, where are you going to walk the dogs, and he said to me, uh, come, come, you know, I'll meet you there, and we'll we'll talk about it, and we'll go over it. So I'm I'm happy that he's willing to do that. Sure. And okay. I'll report back to you on that. Yeah, thank you. Please do. Please yeah. do that. Yeah. Please do that. We're going to. Um, uh, in any event, stick around here. We got. Uh, I got to get to my songs here. Thank you, Arlene. Arlene, hang on. I mean, I want to. I want to. I want to do this because I got these two songs I wanted to. Uh, I want to. This is. Are you going to do Who Let the Dogs Out? No, no. This, this is. This is. This is my thing where I come. I, I take two songs that hit me in the same emotional place, and I, I, uh, I, I link them. I marry them. Did I drive emotion in you today? I hope I did. Oh, there you did. Okay. So and anyway, so let me let me let me you have always the, do Arlene. Let me have the Thank floor. You, okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, there was a song released in 2015, a, a tearjerker of a song about regret and loss, uh, kind of a nostalgic indulgence. One of those songs that you um, you put on and you maybe drop a tear or two in your beer. It was co-written by uh, Greg Kirsten and Adele. Let's start out with this one. It always gets me. Here's Hello. Hello, it's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to me to go over everything. They say the time's supposed to heal ya, but I ain't done much healing. Hello, can you hear me? I'm in California dreaming about who we used to be when we were younger and free. I've forgotten how it felt before the world fell at our feet. There's such a difference between us and a million miles. Hello from the other side. I must have 
Regret at a broken heart left behind, a lost opportunity. But what if the broken heart is yours? That takes us back to 1939 now, a song written by Bob Haggart, very popular during World War II and afterwards. Revived and perfected 45 years afterwards, written by the perfect voice of Linda Ronstadt in 1984 from the album of the same name, with the Nelson Riddle Orchestra. What's new?
Orchestra. Uh, second of two songs about memory and regret from both sides. Mm. Hello and What's New. This is Lou Young on WRCR AM 1700 and WRCR.com. You're, you're, you guys okay? You guys, I mean, yeah. wipe, your, wipe the tears. <laughs> here, here's some, here's uh, the tissue. <laughs> I was born 50 tier, 52 years too late. Oh, there you <laughs> go, man. All right. You're, you okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Sure. All right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Anyway, crying your beer music from Tough Times with Lou Young. All right? So uh, we want to... Uh, it was a great show. I had mm. a good time today. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah it's so I want to thank uh, Jessica Stombeck, um, the yes. CEO of Jewel. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, not... Not the, not the, the vape, vape company, company, but the energy company uh, mm-hmm. that helps. Uh, Tom Murphy, Mayor of Ameranek, um, Reverend Billy in the Church of Stop Shopping Choir, Savage G, uh, News from the Natural World, uh, Arlene who called about uh, from Pomona, who called about the the animal shelter, Mary Ann from Northwest Dyack, uh, Adele, Linda Rodstad, and uh, finally the uh, citizens of Estonia mm-hmm. in the Baltics singing their national anthem. 
in defiance of Russia. All right. As we say goodbye, we'll see you next week. Uh, this is Lou Young with George Potatovic yeah. and Will Will Hennessy. Uh, Tough times with Lou Young back next week, one o'clock. See you then.